You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. I want to welcome you, and if you are a, uh, a guest with us, welcome. I'm Pastor Dan. Uh, when you came in, everyone should have received a program. Um, if you didn't get a program when you came in, just wave your hands, and our ushers will make sure that you get it. Uh, there's someone up here, and so just keep your hands up till they find you, and then they'll get that in there. Should be a, uh, a connection card. So invite everybody to take that out right now and fill that out. If you have a, uh, a prayer request, you can put that in there. It's something we can be praying for you about this week. Um, there you go right there. Anybody else didn't get a program? All right. Keep them up till they get you. We got a couple here. Uh, up here, Gloria, if you can get up front here. Some, some more over here. And then one on this side over here. All right. You guys are sneaking in today. They're usually pretty on the money, so that's, that's pretty good. Good job. I think I should start giving out like prizes to whoever can't get me. Just keep your hands up until Gloria gets you there. Thank you. Um, so, again, I invite you to fill that out. And then on your way out, it's coming. He's coming with you. Um, on your way out, you can put the connection card in those baskets as well, and we'll, we'll collect those and then follow up with you this week. Um, so, all right. Welcome to Palm Saturday. Is that... You know, I don't know if that, if that works, but it's what we got, so we're making the best of it. Um, just wait till Easter Saturday, right? Be like, listen, this is a good day, but tomorrow is going to be great, right? So um, Palm, uh, Palm, Palm Sunday is, uh, you know, typically uh, this weekend is a time where we reflect on Jesus' final trip into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, it's where he'd ultimately be crucified, Right, so it's a, it's a it's a holy sacred time. Um, we examine the last week of his life and how he spent that. Right, how he spent those last days of his physical life on this earth. That's kind of what this time of year is is devoted to in the uh, in the calendar. Um, and I want to start by sharing a short story that happened just before Jesus got to Jerusalem, um, as he entered a town called Jericho. Now I've got actually a map because none of us. Maybe, maybe if you've been to Israel, you have. Has anybody actually been to Israel? No. Okay, there you go. Oh, we've got one. All right, Dan, you've been there. All right. So but for the rest of us, I think we have a... There we go. Here we go. So this is an actual map, okay, to kind of give you an idea of, like, where are we talking about geographically? So Jesus is coming to this place called Jericho over here, and then there's about 20 miles that he's going to walk to Jerusalem, kind of through this... It says walking up to Jerusalem. You can see, yes, the road leads kind of up. Those are not like, it's not like, you know, the Himalayas, right? There, I mean, there are hills. There's definitely terrain there. It took some time, but he's walking there. It took him just a couple of days. But so that's where Jesus is. He's just about to make this final walk up, up there, about 20 miles. Um, you know, how many of you walk 20 miles a day? Anybody? Nope. Crystal probably ran 20 miles a day, but that's, she's about the only one. So, um, uh, anybody, yeah, I don't know, anybody drive 20 miles a day? Yeah, maybe, maybe you did that. Um, so on his way to Jerusalem there, Jesus encounters a guy who's um, my soul brother, okay, my soul brother. Um, thousands of years separate us, but there's just something about this guy that I feel like I just, I get him, right? I get him because you'll see. Here we go. So Luke chapter 19, it'll be on the screen. You can read along. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. So he's walking on his way to Jerusalem, stops in Jericho, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. So some of you already understand. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. That's not the part that we have in common. All right, there you go. Um, here is verse 3. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was 
too short to see over the crowd. So let's just stop there, right? I know what it's like to be overlooked. I'm not talking like in a deep, I'm just saying physically, just literally overlooked. Um, he was a definitely a down-to-earth kind of guy. Oh, there we go. Growing up, we had a, a dachshund in our house, a long-haired dachshund. We named him Zacchaeus because he was a wee little dog. And if you grew up in church, you know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? I have these stupid songs that stick in your head. Like, I don't know how long it's been since I've sang that song and those lyrics, right? He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see, right? Like, I could keep going. This is, this is yeah. So what happens, listen, parents, get your kids in church. When they grow up, that stuff sticks in there. Whether they pay attention or not, it's in there. Um, so I just say I feel his pain. Short people problems, right? Hashtag short people problems. He couldn't even see Jesus. So verse 4, it says he runs ahead and climbs a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus is going to pass that way. So Jesus walks in. There's crowds. He's literally too short to see over the people to even see Jesus. He's just trying to get a glimpse of them. So he climbs up in this tree. He's like, hey, I can at least climb up a tree. I can see Jesus from here. I got a good seat. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. They've never met, just for the record. Never met. Like, they weren't buddies. They weren't like, you know, second cousins, twice removed, nothing. They didn't know each other. But he says, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I mean, just, I don't know if we can get in the mind of Zacchaeus for a moment, but this was like mind-blowing. Like, he's... Nobody. He's just in a tree, and, and like the person, everybody, I mean, there are crowds coming to see one person, and that one person stops, looks at him in the tree, and goes, hey, hey, why don't you climb down? I want to come, come to your house. Like, uh, talk about a special day, right? So Zacchaeus climbs down quickly and takes Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, it says. But the people, everybody else, they were not happy because they didn't like Zacchaeus, Right? He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. That's what Zacchaeus was, a notorious sinner, right? Um, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give back half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, translation, since I have cheated people on their taxes, right, I will give them back four times as much. Context, tax collectors back then were not regulated, they didn't have oversight and accountability. These were weasels, cheats, right? They, they just, they just, Zacchaeus probably had like a little bit of a little man complex, grew up always getting picked on, little kid. He said, okay, I know how I'll get back at people. I'll just be rich. And so the best way to do that is to be somebody everybody else despises, but at least I'll have power because I'll have money. He goes into being tax collecting and he's really good at it. And he says he became very rich, which means, hey, you owe, the government says you owe 10. I'll take 20. Thank you. 10 for me, 10 for the government. And he just took and, and took money and money. That's what Zacchaeus does, right? He's not, and people just don't like people like that. And he meets Jesus and says, okay, if I've taken anything wrong, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus says something interesting. He responds and says, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. It's, I just love this story because it highlights the power of what we'll call defining moments, of a defining moment. Yeah, that's a good song, too. Um, up until this point, right, Zacchaeus had had a rough life, right? Not liked, admittedly corrupt, 
But the moment Jesus stops and looks up in that tree, this was a moment in his life. Like, arguably, this was the defining moment in Zacchaeus' life, right? Up until this point, he's on a path to go to being very wealthy and very hated for the rest of his life. But this encounter with Jesus changes everything, and now we're talking about him thousands of years later, right? This is, this is a moment, and he made the most of that moment. And what I want to talk about today is the impact of defining moments in our lives, and particularly how we respond to those defining moments. Because Zacchaeus didn't have to change for Jesus. He could have easily said, hey, come to my house, this is awesome, and continued to be an obnoxious weasel and cheat. He could have said to everybody, hey, guess what? Jesus loves me more than he loves you. He could have just become even more unbearable, right? But instead, he chose to take that encounter and allow it to become a life-changing encounter. He changed the way he was going to live his life. It was a defining moment in a positive way. Had the potential to change his entire life. So I want to ask you, what have been some of the defining moments of your life? Pause just for a moment and think. What have been some of those moments where you go, everything changed that day? A lot changed that day. There are defining moments in your life. And if you think back, the older you are, you probably can think of multiple, right? The younger you are, maybe you got one or two. For me, as I think about it, I can remember nine years old at a summer camp singing a song and feeling like I felt God for the very first time. Defining moment, it was a puppet that was singing. I'm singing along with a puppet at kids camp, and it was Sherry. Sherry, this, sh Sherry, Sherry. It was Sherry. It was the life action puppets. Jim and Love and Dusky, yeah. And I, I remember this puppet singing, and it was, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold, and nothing I desire can compares with you. And I just remember as a kid, sitting there like, this was the power of God. A couple days later, I wet myself at that camp, but that's a different story. Um, not such a defining moment, but it's in there. Um, I was nine years old. I was a kid at camp. Whatever. Happens. It's cool to wet your pants, right? That's what, that's what they... <laughs> isn't that... Sorry. That's Adam Sandler. That's, that's not appropriate. All right. Second most defining moment. That was a tangent. That got away from me. Second defining moment. Our families moved to Lawrence when I was 12. So much changed about our life then. I mean, my life was very, it just felt like everything was good in a bubble, and all of a sudden it just, my world got a whole lot bigger. And honestly, we wouldn't be here today without that move, but that move was, as a 12-year-old, moving, leaving your friends in the middle of sixth grade, like, oh, that was a defining moment in my life. I will never forget. That's, that was just so much of my life was affected by that move. The night I first got an email from my wife, where we, before we were dating, before I even knew her, right? I kind of knew who she was, and I get this email. It's Paprosky's granddaughter. And I remember in my office after a youth group, I was a youth pastor, single youth pastor at the time, get that email. I'm the only one in the office jumping around the room going, oh, I, and I knew that that moment that, like, my life was going to change. And it was. It was five months later, we were engaged. Like, that was it. Like, it was, but it was a moment when, like, love walked in the door, and I'm like, I'm done, right? You ever had, like, I, I zit. Shut it down. It's over, right? If, if, if I'm in, right, I was out of her league, but all of a sudden, that was it. It was a defining moment. I'll never forget the first moment I had a Papa's pizza, right? Defining moments. I mean, life-altering moments. We've all had them. You've all had these moments where you go, you know, 
This is it. And Zacchaeus made the most of his moment. But sometimes we miss the moment. Sometimes we miss what could be. We miss those defining moments. Tennessee Williams, famous American author, novelist, says this. So told a story of a young man named Jacob Brodsky. Anybody ever hear this story? I don't know if any of you are. Some of you have. He was a shy young man whose father owned a bookstore. Okay? And uh, the older man wanted his son to go to college. The boy, on the other hand, just wanted to marry Lila, his childhood sweetheart. All he wanted to do is marry this girl. Dad wants him to go to college. So he does what he's supposed to do. He goes to college. <laughs> a few months after he's there, his father takes ill and he passes away. Comes back, buries his father, and marries the girl. And they move into the apartment above the bookstore. He takes over the management, and he, like, this fits him perfectly. He is loving life. He is now managing a bookstore. This is great. He's got the love of his life, but it cramps her style. She's, this, this life's not working out for her. And she wanted more adventure, and she found it in the form of an agent who said, you have a beautiful singing voice. I'll take you to Europe, and we'll travel, and you'll, you'll see the world. It'll be an incredible experience. You'll, you'll find all the happiness you're looking for, and she decides she's going to take it, and she leaves. He's devastated. He is devastated, and at their parting, he reaches into his pocket and hands her a key, a key to the company, to the bookstore, and he says this, you'd better keep this because you're going to want it someday. He says, your love is not so much less than mine that you can get away from it. You will come back sometime, he says, and I will be waiting. She kisses him on his cheek and she leaves. To escape the pain, Jacob withdraws into the bookstore, reads and reads, becomes just a voracious reader. Some people turn to drink, he turned to books. He spoke little, he did little, but he could most times be found at a desk at the rear of the bookstore, just studying and reading, waiting for his love to return. Nearly 15 years later, Lila returns. At Christmas time. And when she walked in the store, when Jacob rose from the reading desk, she walks in the door. He did not even recognize her for the woman who had left him so many years ago. And he asks her, Do you want a book? That he didn't recognize her startled her, but she gains possession of herself and replies, I want a book, um, but I've forgotten the name of it, she says. So she told him the story of childhood sweethearts who fell in love and got married, newly married couple above a bookstore, but a, the young ambitious wife leaves to pursue a career and enjoy great success, but could never seem to relinquish the key that her husband had given her so many years before. And she told him a story thinking it would bring him to himself, but his face continued to show no recognition. Gradually, she realized he had lost touch with his heart's desire and that he had only now buried himself in his waiting and grieving. You remember it. You must remember it, she said. It's the story of Lila and Jacob. After a long, bewildered pause, he says, there's something familiar about that story. He says, I think I read it somewhere. I believe it's something by Tolstoy. She walks back to go look for the book. She leaves her key on the counter and she walks out. He comes back, returns to his desk, sees that she's leading. She's gone. 
shrugs his shoulders and goes back to his reading unaware that the love that he had waited for so long had come and gone. Oh, the story kills me. It epitomizes tragedy. To miss what could have been such a powerful and life-altering moment. Can you contrast Zacchaeus and Jacob? Do you see the difference between these two? Two totally different responses to life-changing opportunities. As we said, this weekend symbolizes right this moment where Jesus comes into Jerusalem, a place where he'd be crucified, but it's his response that's going to reveal something about the power of these defining moments. And I don't think we can miss it. We all live surrounded by these moments every single day. Moments that could be ordinary, but they could also be extraordinary. We can't afford to miss these moments. So I'm just going to talk for just a few more minutes, but let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I ask, God Almighty, give us eyes to see what is before us right here, right now. Guard us from missing the moment, from missing what's right in front of us. Amen. Just for a moment, let's go back in time now. We're going to walk with Jesus as he walks that road up, right? Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says this, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Isaiah 50 kind of qualifies this. It, it's, a, it's a long time ago prophesying about Jesus. He said, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face, some translations like a flint, set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. Resolute, Jesus is resolute. He is determined. He is going to get to Jerusalem. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm going, right? You've ever seen something like a, you know, like a toddler, like, I'm doing it, right? Stamp, I'm, they're determined. Jesus is determined. Nothing was going to stop him from going. Even though he knew what was ahead, nothing was going to stop him. And here's the reason Jesus had to have that kind of determination, because he knows what he's walking into. We fast forward just a little bit. Luke 18 says this, taking the 12 disciples aside, the buddies that have been walking with him, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem. This is where we're going. This is where I'm determined to go, where all those predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man, which is a term for Jesus himself, they're going to come true. He says, basically, I'm going to be handed over to the Romans. I'm going to be mocked, treated shamefully, spit upon. They're going to flog me. They're going to whip me. They're going to kill me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He knew all of it. He knew what was coming, but he was determined, I'm going to walk there. He continued on. Eventually, he gets to just outside Jerusalem. He's riding on a young donkey, right? It signified the approach of royalty. It wasn't, it wasn't disgraceful to be on a donkey. It just represented different things and different types of kings. And so he was coming as a peaceful king. He wasn't coming on a war horse. He was coming as a peaceful king. So he's approaching. The crowds are going crazy. We read that in Luke 19. It says, as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead, and they're throwing down their coats like they're making a red carpet for him, right? They're, they're, you're throwing down your palm branches. And when he reaches the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings, Hosanna in the highest. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. It's an incredible scene. It's a hero's welcome. He's walking, I mean, he's riding in. I mean, the crowds are going crazy. For Jesus, it very easily could have felt like mission accomplished. Like, I did it. Look at this. But rather than feeling great about all the attention and praise, Jesus has a very different reaction. 
19, verse 41 says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep, to cry. And he wasn't crying for himself. He wasn't afraid of what he was walking into. And I know that because he tells us in the next verse what he was crying for. He says this, How I wish, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. Because you didn't capture the moment. Jesus is speaking on several levels here. He's talking physically about a reality that was going to happen to the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem, this is taking place in roughly like 30 AD. In 70 AD, about 40 years later, Titus of Rome would overthrow Jerusalem, would literally run it, over, overrun it. The final act was a great siege. They would build up embankments around the city. People would be trapped and eventually everyone would be killed. The temple, they would tear it apart stone by stone. Literally, this is what was going to happen. Jesus is pretty on the money. He said this was going to happen. That's what happens. But he wasn't just talking about a physical city here. He wasn't just talking about, you know, Jerusalem because he wasn't crying for a city. He was crying for the people. Cities have no power to recognize God, but people do. So think about it. God sends his son from heaven, born to a young couple, right? Joseph and Mary, we know this incredible story. He lives for 30 years among the people of this region. They've seen his miracles. They've heard his teaching. They've observed his reactions, his responses. They get the full deal. They don't, it's not just somebody telling stories about Jesus. They're living it. They're watching it. They're seeing it all. They had been given a gift no other people in human history had ever been given. They got a chance up close and personal, front row seat to the Son of God in the flesh. They're there in that moment, and yet they couldn't see it. They missed a defining moment. Like young Jacob they thought the story sounds vaguely familiar, like something from Tolstoy. They had no idea who was right in front of them. They had no idea what was right in front of them. And we know why. Second Corinthians tells us very clearly, this is why we can't see those things. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. The people were heart blind to their greatest source of hope. And here's the thing, it made Jesus cry. His heart was broken for people he loved so deeply. He was determined to die for these people. He desperately wanted them to receive the gift of life that was meant to be theirs. This was not simply a defining moment. This was the defining moment. Their greatest opportunity, the moment of a lifetime. See, when God comes to visit, the visitation of God is that word, visitation, it's not just a casual pop-in. It's not like, hey, we're coming over, company, right? Like, we don't like company knocking on our door, right? Nobody likes that, right? We, Sebastian Manscalf, like, you've seen him a couple times, the comedian, right? He talks about that, right? It says, used to be people... You know, knock on your door, and it was like, hey, stop what we're doing. We got company. 
this is great. We got crumb cake. We got come on in. We're going to have a party. And now, right, people knock on the door and we're like, shh. Everybody down, right? No movement. Shut the lights off. Right? Pretend like we're not here, right? You got, we got, you got your, you got your, on your phone, you got your doorbell. You can see exactly who it is. Do not answer them. Do not go to the door, right? We don't want company. This is not just a pop-in like just somebody in the neighborhood. Hey, I'm just hey, saying hi. The visitation of God is something qualitatively different. When God comes to visit you, this is a divine moment. It's something altogether different. It's full of purpose. He comes to help us understand the way to peace. It's our opportunity for salvation. It says he came to seek and save the lost. He's on a mission and you're the target. God comes to us to accomplish something eternity changing in us. When God comes to visit you, buckle up. He's coming to visit you. The opportunity of a lifetime. And here's the truth. Some recognize it and some don't. Some recognize it and some don't. Some stare at the same Jesus, hear the same news, and they go, I don't, I don't know. Doesn't seem like anything to me. And they walk away. And it makes God cry. Here's the news for us. God is still coming to visit Every single one of us. Our lives are shaped by our response to his visitation. The only thing that matters in any of our lives is how we will respond when God visits us. The moment you encounter God is the defining moment of your life. You can list a whole bunch of other defining moments in your life. Nothing Nothing compares. There is no moment in your life more significant than when God comes to introduce himself to you for real. i got to imagine that if God says, hey, I want to come visit you, um, you don't want to miss that. <laughs> it's something that you're going to need. So what are we going to do with that? Erwin McManus says this, the most spiritual activity you will engage in today is making choices. The most spiritual activity that you will engage in is making choices. You get to choose what you're going to do with Jesus. Not a have to. You don't have to accept Jesus. It's a get to. We get to accept Jesus. But the question for us, will we welcome him or ignore him? Like Zacchaeus I'm coming down, he's coming to my house today, and I'm going to make changes. Or like Jerusalem, like Jacob. Will you run home full of excitement that the Lord wants to come to your house, or will you go about your business too caught up in the busyness of your life to notice that the hope of your life is right in front of you? Here's the best part. You ready for this? Best part. It's not too late for us. may have been too late for the people in Jerusalem because they'd already had their chance Jesus had been among them, and they rejected him. They, that's why it was too late for them. But Jesus continues to come to every one of us. Whether you're here in the room, watching online, I just want you to understand, if you have never truly recognized that this is all for real, that God is real, that he loves you, that Jesus is who he said he is, hear this, please. It's not too late. You have not missed your moment.
Maybe you're sitting here going, I've heard this before and I haven't responded before. It's okay. For some people, it takes a couple of times, but let me just tell you right now, in this moment, I want you to hear it. The opportunity is in front of you. You have not missed it. The ship has not sailed. That also means, for those of you going, yeah, I've heard this. It's, I've, I've, I have accepted that. Guess what? It's also not too late for everybody else. It's not too late for your husband or wife. It's not too late for your sons or your daughters, for your parents, for your friends, for your neighbors, for your coworkers. It's not too late for anyone because here's the deal. Jesus is determined to visit. He's going. He set his face. I'm coming. Whether you accept me or not, I'm coming. In a moment, I want to give an opportunity to respond to everyone, to act on this message. So the question is this very simply. Are you in a tree? You find yourself just curious. Really wasn't expecting this message right now. You know what? You just tune in. You're like, whoa, that got heavy. Fast. Not what I expected. Zacchaeus is up in a tree, and all of a sudden, he didn't expect Jesus to look at him and call him by name. But that's exactly what Jesus is doing right now. He's calling you by name. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. Zacchaeus had never met Jesus, but Jesus knew Zacchaeus just like Jesus knows you. Knows your name, he knows where you come from, he knows where you're going, he knows everything. He knows you better than you know you. Let me ask you, are you willing to come down and meet him? Or are you like Jacob? Maybe the love of God was a hope in your past. You're waiting and waiting for God to show up in your life. Saying, God, I wish you'd show up and show me things. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting so long that now that God's in the room, I don't even, am I waiting for that anymore? You've just gotten so preoccupied with life that you've just sort of moved on from God. Jesus is looking at you right now. The eyes of love and acceptance are asking you, this is your moment. Will you have him come into your home and into your heart? Revelations tells us very clearly, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, he promises if you open the door, I will come in. I don't care how dirty your house is. I don't care how many barking dogs are back there. I don't care if you don't have a house. I don't care anything. I'm talking about you. It doesn't care what condition it is. I just want to be with you. We will open the door. In just a moment, we're going to pray. But I have the conviction, the belief that today can be the best day of your life. For some people right now, this can be the best day of your life. And perhaps you're hearing the story, like we said, and you've, you've taken this step already. You've climbed out of the tree. You know Jesus. He's been in your house. You've been hanging out, having a party with Jesus. You are good. Very simply, here's my question for you. Will you determine to help others recognize their opportunity? We're so quick to recommend restaurants. Listen, I can tell you restaurants. You want to know good restaurants? Talk to me. I love talking food. I love recommending restaurants. We'll recommend books to each other. We'll recommend programs for our kids. We'll recommend stock options. We'll recommend Netflix shows. How about we start recommending the greatest opportunity? We cannot make people respond. I was talking to my uncle today. You, you can lead a horse to water. Cannot make it drink. That's not our job. Our job is to just simply present the opportunity. To help you recognize it, go, hey, everybody, hey, 
pay attention. There's, there's, he's calling your name. I just want you to pay attention. This is, I, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. It matters. Next week, Easter Sunday, Easter Saturday, Easter weekend, whatever we want to call it. It's a time traditionally when many people, they're probably going to be a little more open to come into a service than they would normally. Maybe out of guilt, <laughs> obligation, or I should probably do that, or who knows what's going on in their life. I just want to encourage you, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, I challenge you, invite one. Every single person, invite one. It's one thing to acknowledge that this matters. It's something else to act on it. And you don't have to invite them to our church. <laughs> if you don't think our service is going to be great, invite them somewhere you think it's going to be great. <laughs> Just invite them somewhere. But I'm telling you, invite them to experience the opportunity to encounter the defining moment of their life. I just want to encourage you. They may be as unlikely to come as Zacchaeus. You may be going, that person. Everybody hates them. <laughs> Nobody can stand them. They're obnoxious. If, if I brought them, you would be yelling at me. Why did you bring them? Listen. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy and the well. I came for the sick. Right? We don't, have, we don't need hospitals for well people. <laughs> we need them for sick people. Right? The church is not meant to be filled with perfect people. Aren't you glad about that? That's why you're here. Right? None of us would qualify if it wasn't. So I'm just going to encourage you. Ask someone. They may seem as unlikely as Zacchaeus. They may seem as disinterested as Jacob. It could be somebody who's just so forgotten what life's about. They're just totally living another life, almost completely blind to what's in front of them. Pray and invite them. Pray and invite them. Let the determination of Jesus to say, I'm going to do this, be the determination in you. I'm going to invite someone. Jesus was going to open the door even if no one, even if no one responded, Jesus was going to open that door. One name, one face you can't ignore. That's what I'm praying for. I'm going to pray that God's going to put somebody on your heart, somebody that you cannot escape. One name, one face, and someone you may have no idea what's going on in their heart, but right now God has already been at work stirring things that you would know nothing about. And that God is impressing on them that they should go to a church service, and when you invite them, they're going to go, all right. And you're going to go, wait, what? You, you say yes? Yeah, yeah, sure. No, you're not serious, right? No, yes. Yeah, I'm serious. I want to come. Like, that's going to happen. It's going to happen in this. That's the story we're going to hear next week. If you're willing to let God use you, that's what we're going to pray for. It says this, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. God wants to give us such a blessing, such a blessing. Will we recognize the time of his visitation? If it broke God's heart, I have to imagine this is really important. The only thing that's going to matter 100 years from now, right, is our relationship with God above. 
doesn't matter how much money you got, doesn't matter how strong you are, how good looking you are, how many cars you got, doesn't matter what you've done, what you've accomplished, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you, the only thing that matters a hundred years from now is your relationship with the Almighty God. It's our moment. So let's pray. I'm going to invite the band back up. And would you close your eyes? We're just going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for being so determined to come to us, for keeping the door open. You desire to come into each one of our hearts today. And as you're listening here, as we're praying, or if you're listening online, wherever you are, and you have never welcomed Jesus into your heart, if you have never accepted that he comes to you, I just want you to know that this is that moment. You don't have to respond. There's no pressure. There's nothing like that. But it's an opportunity. You get to respond. It's, it's before you. You get to choose what you do with it. But I can tell you that if you will welcome him, this will be the defining moment of your life. It's not about accepting a religion. It's about accepting the offer of a personal relationship with the God who formed you and loves you beyond imagination. The God who gave everything for the chance that you'd accept him simply to give you the choice. That's what Jesus died for. He died to give you the choice to know God personally. So if that's you today, as an expression of just acknowledgement, as a recognition in your heart to know God in that personal way, would you just simply raise your hand? Say to God, I want to know you and I don't want to miss my moment. That's you. Would you just raise your hand? See those hands. Anyone else? See those hands. God, you see our hands. God, you see us. We thank you for your unending love. Lord, today, this is a moment. This is a moment where you are meeting us here. Lord, you have never given up on us. You have never stopped chasing after us. Lord, you come after us. Your love chases us down. Even when we were running away, God, you continued to pursue because you didn't want us to miss the moment. Lord, we're so grateful for your love. God, you love us unconditionally, and now we get to step into that. Lord, for everyone whose hands have been raised, who have acknowledged that they want to know you, God, I ask right now in this moment that you would just make yourself real in a way that only you can. You speak different languages. You speak our language, each unique. Just let us know that you see us, that you've, that you've heard our hearts cry, or that you could say today, salvation has come to this home. Salvation has come to these lives, to these hearts, to these minds, to these souls. This is a day, Lord, there's a party going on in heaven right now. Your, your word tells us that every time, Lord, any time we, ex we, we come, someone new comes to you, Lord, the angels throw a party in heaven. So joyful is it because this is what matters most. We commit ourselves to learning and growing. Lord, and as a church, help us to continue to come around alongside each and every one who makes those commitments to help us grow in our relationship with you. None of us are perfect. None of us have it figured out. But we're growing in that relationship with you each day a little bit more, understanding more who you are and who we are. I thank you, God. And for those of you that have experienced that love already, that have the personal relationship with God, can I ask you, can God keep moving upon your heart for others? 
for those who have yet to recognize how good God is, maybe it's a, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a neighbor, a coworker, a, a friend from school, wherever it is, if there's someone on your mind, will you allow God to break your heart for them, to weep over them, to say, it's not okay for me just to be good when they're not. Will you let God's love overflow through you? You say, God, I want you to to work in me, to use me, to help other people recognize their moments. I want to be used of you, God. Would you just raise your hand and say, God, I want to pray that God puts a name on my heart this week. Would you just raise your hand and say, God, use me. God, put a name on my heart this week. God, you see our hands. God, we are, we are responding to you saying, use us, God. We welcome you. We welcome you to work through us. Lord, there are, there are lives that in one week from today, are, they have an appointment they don't even know about yet, Lord. They have, a, they have an appointment on the calendar with the God who made them, who loves them. Lord, one person who has yet to seize their moment is going to respond. There are going to be names written down in the book of life that were not written down prior. Lord, there is nothing better than knowing that we are part of this eternal work that you have called us to. Lord, until everyone has heard May we continue to point out this moment. This matters too much to leave anybody out. Even those we don't like, God, everybody needs to hear it. Would you use us? We commit ourselves to you. You are good, so good. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to close with a song. I'm going to turn it over to Nick, and I'm going to invite you to stand. And as we sing, let this song be a a consecration of whatever God has done in your heart today. Just want to encourage you with that. And I want to let you know, if you made a commitment today to, to follow Jesus and you want to indicate that on your connection card, I would love to personally just reach out to you this week. If you've made that commitment, just indicate that on your connection card and I will call you. If you don't want me to call you, I can email you. If you don't want me to call, say don't call, just email. You can just say don't talk to me at all, but I would love to call you and just touch base with you. So if you've done that, would you just do that on your connection card? We'll collect them later, and I'll follow up with you. Because I don't want to miss the moment. We've responded. Now let's take those next steps. Nick, would you lead us?